You've seen the big plays. Jaron stepping to his right, looking, looking, stopping, firing, end zone, touchdown! You've heard what the playmakers and coaches have had to say. Up for a three, got it! But now it's time to go behind the mic with BYU Sports Broadcasters to get their distinctive take on the games. Oh, what an aggressive play! This is Behind the Mic with host Cleon Wall. For this week's episode, we only have one guest. That was not the original plan, but my conversation with BYU studio host and play-by-play guy Jason Shepard was a lot of fun, and I figured my other guests could probably wait one more week. Jason and I do talk some BYU football and men's basketball, but I first wanted to talk about his sports broadcasting journey, which can be rough and tumble. There's not very many of these jobs available. This is not something that's widely open to the masses, and so if you get into it, you're pretty lucky to be able to get into this type of work. As for when I like knew it's what I wanted to do, I don't know if there was like a, an actual moment, but I, I do vividly remember um, as a young kid, and I'm talking, so there was a seven-year difference between myself and my younger sister, and I, I vividly remember being under the age of 12 and playing radio, and I would interview my sister. I have those memories, and so there's always obviously been something in there that has drawn me to it. I think the sports side of it came a little bit later when I just got more into sports. Now, I always liked watching sports as a kid and playing sports, but you got into my teenage years, and I really got into it, and I think it's just sort of taking two things that I really loved and putting them together, and it just happened to work. Uh, but I was lucky enough in high school that, now this was on the TV side of things, but I went to Kearns High School, and I don't know if they are still, but at least at the time, they were the only TV production, they had a TV production class. And so you had students from all over um, Salt Lake County that would come just for that class and then go back to their school. And so I was able to do some of those things in terms of like writing stories and, and things like that. I, I was able to get that in um, as as a high school uh, student. And then my senior year in high school, I actually was able to intern at KJS TV for the jazz season. And so I kind of had some of those things along the way. Uh, when I got back from my mission, I, I kind of had an opportunity to to jump back into it and that was uh, quite a long time ago, and I'm very happy. <laughs> did you did you actually go to college to do this, or did you have other plans when you got off your mission? Well, before my mission, I had started um, school at Solid Community College, just getting generals. Because at the time, you, at the time, the mission age was was 19, so you had the the year after you graduated. And so I was doing that, and when I came back from my mission, I went back to Solid Community just to do some generals. And I had the opportunity, I bumped into somebody that happened to know um, Rod Zundel at Channel 5. And I just happened to ask, are you aware if they have any internships available? Because I had had such a good experience at KJAZZ during the, the jazz season um, bef- you know, as a senior in high school that I, I knew what type of opportunities could present themselves as an intern. And he said, I think they are. And so basically, I put in a, a resume, set up a time to call uh, or to interview with Rod. I called him. We set up a time. And literally, he looked at my resume 30 seconds later. He's like, all right, yeah, well, you're hired. And I got hired on as a KSL sports TV intern. That lasted for, oh, wow, eight months maybe. And... um 
and that internship ended. And about a month later, and I'll never forget this, we were in the middle of Kansas, the state of Kansas, because we had gone back to Missouri to see family, because that's where I'm originally from. And we were in the we were right around Hayes, Kansas, on I-70. And I get a phone call from Rod Zundel. Hey, would you be interested in being our weekend sports editor? And so a month after my internship ended, KSL TV hired me as a weekend sports editor. And that kind of started the actual paying portion of this. And so I was doing that, still going to school, make a long story short. Um, and I had gone through the KSL portion and it lasted about two years, still doing the school. Um, but I, I was like, I, I don't want to be a behind the scenes guy. It's not, that's not what I want. Um, and I, I kind of like to make a, a name for myself a little bit faster than where this is going right now. It's going pretty slow. And at the time, 1320K fans, so sports radio in Salt Lake City, had a morning show producer um, position open. So I actually took less money to go over and do that, but I knew it was an opportunity to make a name for myself quicker. So to the school answer, ultimately I kind of had to decide, am I going to keep going to school to do what I want to do? Or now that I've kind of got in and am doing what I want to do, do I do I just go that route? That's the route I chose. And I just went the career path. And so, you know, as, as a at 1320K fan, I was the morning show producer. Um, and I was the Utah Jazz reporter at games. So ultimately, now that I'm, I'm in this thing over close to 25 years now, I think I made the right choice. <laughs> How hard was it to keep a job in broadcasting? Because I kind of alluded to that at the start, that it, it's hard getting in, and sometimes it can be hard staying in. It, it is. And everybody's... Look, and it's not just sports broadcasting. It's broadcasting in general. Everybody's got one of those stories where they were let go. And it's, you know, they're, they're, even though I said at the beginning, you know, there's not a lot of these jobs open, you know, there, there is, especially on the TV side, quite a bit of turnover. Um, and I actually thought that I was, I was going to, I, I thought I had done a pretty good job because I had started, so 97, 1997 was kind of my where the internship at KSL, which turned into a job, started. So 97, um, 2000 or 99 is when I went to 1320K fan. And so from 97, essentially all the way until 2015, I had maintained a job in this business. Now, I had gone from a couple of different places on my own um you know, on my own, deciding to make those. I went from 1320K fan um, and then went when they began 1280 The Zone. I was the original producer for that, and I made that decision on my own. And then when my contract was up with them, they wanted me back, but they also wanted me to take a significant pay cut, which I wasn't willing to do. And so I, I left, but then went to ESPN 700. And, so, and then I was at ESPN 700 for seven years. Um, and so all that time I had gone on my own without being let go. Unfortunately, um, after ESPN 700, and this is one of the best things that ever happened to me, um, I get a phone call from Greg Rubel and he's like, Hey, what's your situation with ESPN 700? Are you under contract? What's your situation look like? And he's like, I'm asking because we're creating a position here at KSL radio with you in mind. Would you be interested? And I couldn't get the word yes out of my mouth fast enough. 
And so I go to KSL. I'm essentially doing a lot of the jobs I'm doing now. It, it originated at KSL Radio as you know, pre-half and post host for football and basketball. Um, at the time, we were doing Cougar Sports Saturday, um, which obviously you were a part of as well. And so I, I ended up being at KSL for three years, and that's when it happened to me. Because in 2015, um, all of the in-house stuff in terms of like who, who did the broadcasting, the studios that were used for it, all of the stuff for pre-half and post for football and basketball that I was doing left KSL and came down here to BYU Radio. It got brought in-house. And it was my understanding at the time that um, they decided to, instead of making my position, like lessening the responsibilities and making it like a part-time job, they just decided to eliminate it. So in June of 2015, I was told I was being let go. So it, it took, what's that, almost 18 years for me to go through it, but, but eventually I did. Now, that job, losing that job at KSL was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> and I don't say that because I didn't like working at KSL. That's not, that's not what this is about. I love working at KSL. But it brought me down here. And this has been the greatest blessing, both from a career standpoint, personally, everything, being down here at BYU. And I got most of my job stuff back anyway, because everything that I was doing up there came down here, and then I came down here and picked it all back up, and then added a ton of extra stuff, which is what I love. So it, it took a while, but yeah, in, in 15 it happened to me too. But luckily I, was, I bounced right back and got hired on here at BYU TV and have been here ever since. You know, a little uh, inside uh, baseball here, you could say. So when... Jason got the job at KSL. I did not know that they had offered him the job, and I applied for the same job. So when Jason came in, I was really disappointed. So he hated me yes, uh, yes. right out of the gate. <laughs> so, But then we started working together because I was still doing my job in the news department at KSL, and Jason was the producer for Cougar Sports Saturday, and I got hired as one of the hosts for Cougar Sports Saturday, which, by the way, those three years were a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It, we, we did ha- six hours on a Saturday. Yeah. Because you had you had Alex and Dave for the first three hours, and then Cleon, you and Randolph did the the next three, and then I produced all of it, and then kind of chimed in here and there. Yeah, it, it it was a blast. And then when Jason got laid off, I actually I was one of the guys that helped to take over doing pre half and post game stuff, and I did that for two years. And then Jason got hired down here at BYU, and they brought everything down to BYU. And I lost that opportunity, which eventually led to me looking for new jobs outside of KSL and in coming in full circle. And then now, you followed me down here. Yes, exactly. And now <laughs> so. I'm down here working for you. So just a little inside baseball here. So Jason and I have known each other for a while. So it's really Jason's fault that I'm doing this podcast right now. Uh. Uh, <laughs> something like that. What has been different for you about working for BYU Broadcasting compared to working for KSL TV, KSL News Radio? And then the the two sports radio stations, or three sports radio stations in Salt Lake. Well, I would say the biggest thing is that I'm all BYU here. And look, growing up, one of the reasons I'm so blessed in this business, and it's not just here at BYU where I get to cover BYU all the time, 24-7. Wherever I was at, I was always the BYU guy and the jazz guy. Those were the two teams that I got to cover. And it just so happens that those are my two favorite teams that I grew up with. 
And so I was a fan of both of those teams. I grew up a BYU fan. I grew up a Jazz fan. And so being able to work almost exclusively with those two things was just a dream come true. And so even at ESPN 700, which is the home of the University of Utah, I had nothing to do with the University of Utah. I produced an afternoon show. I think they realized they didn't want me associated because they, everybody knew I was a BYU guy. And so, so, but even at ESPN 700, I was coming down here to cover the BYU games. I was going to the jazz games and going to the locker rooms and doing all my stuff that I would normally do. So the biggest difference is, even though at those other places I was the BYU guy and I would come down and cover BYU, that's different than being a part of BYU and having that extra level of, well, I'm not just covering BYU now I am BYU. And so that's probably the biggest thing. The, certainly you have a lot more access. Um, the, the one thing that's been different since I came down here was I've added um, all of the, the uh, play-by-play responsibilities that I've been able to do filling in for Greg um, when he has conflicts and then doing some other things on my own, whether it's TV or radio. Uh, but I think the, the biggest thing is instead of just covering BYU, now, I'm, now I, I am BYU. I'm part of BYU. And that's – look, I, I mentioned I'm a fan – I, I view this differently than a lot of people, and I, I would actually be curious to get your take on this. Our society today, from a, a media standpoint, now, I think sports is different. I think it's a little bit of an outlier, but we're seeing it a lot in sports. Nobody wants you to be a fan anymore. They want you to be impartial and just talk about it. Well, we didn't get into this because we're impartial. We got into this because we're fans. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be professional, but let me tell you, if I'm calling a, a game or if I'm doing a show about BYU, you're going to know I'm a BYU fan. Now, I'm going to be professional about it. I'm going to give you the information, but I'm not going to take the fan out of me. That's why I got into this business, and I think that's why I've lasted and I enjoy it so much is because people know where, they, where I stand, and they feel that, that I'm a fan too, that I'm just like them. I just happen to have a really cool job and get to do really cool things. So I don't know how you feel about that. It's interesting because I graduated from BYU. I grew up cheering for BYU football and BYU basketball. But once I got here and I graduated from the journalism program, it was kind of sucked out of me. Like, you need to be impartial about all of this. And so, you know, when I I fill in for you and I'm doing pre-half and post stuff, you know, I will express my excitement when something good happens, but I'm also... I try not to be afraid to say, hey, guess what? Yes. This is where, where we're seeing deficiencies, too. And, and so it, it's been kind of hard for me because I have worked in the journalism industry for so long. And you were it, all on the news side. Yes, exactly. It's really hard for me to come back and be a fan right. now. I, I still feel like I need to be that guy who says... Okay, here's what they did good. Here's what they did bad. I'm going to leave it to you now how you feel about this. Look, and I, and I agree with you. Look, and being a fan doesn't mean that you can't be critical or talk about the things that everybody else sees True. with their own eyes. So I, I don't want to get that confused that I'm not willing to do that because I think I do that. But I, I just see so many people that are in this business and they don't look like they're having fun. This should be fun. <laughs> We're fans. We got into this business because we're fans of sports teams, and I don't ever want to lose that. I, I have gone long enough, and I have not lost it. I, I'm not sure I ever will, and I'm, I'm so happy that I have not lost that aspect of me doing this job. On the other hand, maybe it's good that 
I don't act like a fan when I do my job because <laughs> things might be thrown. When we come back, we discuss the best winning touchdown reception in BYU football history and tempering expectations for the men's basketball team. This is Behind the Mic, and I'm Cleon Wall. Let's get back to my conversation with BYU studio host and play-by-play announcer, Jason Shepard. Let's talk uh, football now. Hear me out on this. Was the defense the biggest winner coming out of that game against Boise State? Here, here's what I, why I'm saying that. L- listen, the defense knows who they are right now. They know they have a lot of defense, and it's a, man- it's a matter of managing what you can do game in and game out. And they really came close to fulfilling one of Bronco Mendenhall's pillars, which is keep the opposing team under 24. I actually thought they might do that. But, you know, second half being second half. But in reality, think about what they did. They helped beat Boise State to seven points in the first half. They had, I think, at least three three and outs in that mm-hmm. game. Um, for how many injuries they that, that they've had, I, I would think that this would be a win for them. You know, outside of maybe Puka Nakua and Jaron Hall being the MVPs of that game for that that pass and that catch, I really think the defense, they were the winners in this game. What, what do you think? Well, yeah, look, I, that was one of those games. That's one of the games that, that you filled in for me on because I was with women's soccer in Los Angeles. So I was actually watching that in my hotel room before we left for the field. And I, I remember thinking the same thing, like like BYU at, at halftime, because that's when I had to turn it off and we left. We got on the bus and left. So at halftime, BYU would turn the ball over twice. You know, it failed on a couple of fourth downs, and they were still in it. And I thought, that's got to be a really good sign. So I agree with you that the the defense really stepped up. I, I think, honestly, I think Hinkley Rapati needs to be in that True. conversation as well. True. Hinkley Rapati, what he did after really not having any touches all year long, he was phenomenal. And then, you know, Puka and the catch and getting the toe down in time. <laughs> and it, anybody that wants to argue that was not a touchdown, you're you're just dead wrong. That absolutely was a touchdown, 100%. But, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with the defense. I actually lean probably towards Hinkley Rapati. BYU desperately needed a running game. They needed it. And they he gave it to them. Head coach Kalani Sataki was asked if Puka's catch is the best catch he's seen both as a coach and as a fan and as a player. So I'm, I might be biased, but Puka's got so many catches that are unbelievable. It doesn't surprise me the catches that he makes, but I think there's a probably a bunch of catches that we have on film and practice that could outdo that one too. I would say those a lot of those are in practice. This is a game. So what is your favorite game-winning touchdown of all time, Jason? And I, I think degree of difficulty makes a huge difference. And you can pick whatever one you want. Here's some potential nominees, okay? Okay. Uh, this one's, I, by the way, you can give out your nominees. I already have it. It's easy. Okay, okay. I'll give out the nominees just really quickly. 2022, Boise State, Puka Nakua. Uh, 2015, Mitch Matthews, Nebraska. Yep. Uh, 2015, Boise State, Mitch Jurgen. Starman. 2006, Utah, Johnny Harleen. Yep. 1983, Missouri, Steve Young catching the game-winning pass. Yes, that's the quarterback catching the game-winning pass. And then Clay Brown, 1980, SMU, Miracle Bowl. Uh, what's your favorite? Okay, so I'm going to eliminate the first two that you mentioned. I okay. was I, I was certainly uh, born. I was alive. But I, I did not witness those on my own. Okay. All the other ones you mentioned are ones that I witnessed, some of them with my own eyes, not just TV or being a part of it. So it was easy for me. It's, it's back to Harleen. It's 2006. <laughs> At Rice Eccles Stadium, beating Utah, last play of the game. 
so at that time, so in 06, so at the time I'm working at ESPN 700, okay? So I'm on the sideline of that game, obviously on the BYU side of things. I'm, I'm like, I'm like down. So, so in that stadium, so the, the visiting team is on the west side of the stand. So I was standing on that side to the north of the team. I will, I will never forget that moment. That is, that is that play and John Stockton hitting the game-winning shot to beat the Rockets to go to the NBA Finals in 97. Those are the two biggest sports moments of my life. And so I, when, when Beck hit Harleen for that touchdown and you realize that BYU had just knocked off Utah, I don't necessarily remember it, but I know people who were there that told me about it. Apparently, I jumped about four feet in the air. There was a guy <laughs> standing next to me who I also know is a BYU fan. We may have embraced there may have been a hug, uh, but wow. that moment, that moment was amazing. That's the greatest game-winning touchdown I have ever been a part of. It's some, it's fantastic to this day. I I smile when I think about it. And if I put the those those categories in there, and I'm thinking degree of difficulty, I, I totally get it because Harleen had to run from the back of the end zone to the front of the end zone just to catch that. Well, and Beck threw against his body. True, yes. No, and no, it's no, at no. Utah. No, no, no. I, I'm not disagreeing with you. If I had to go degree of difficulty, though, I almost still have to go with Mitch Matthews, 2015 Nebraska, <laughs> just because he catches that and he still has to fight his way into the end yes. zone. He, I mean, inches. Inches could have changed that outcome. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree like with you. Like an inch one, the other way, and that maybe that's not a TD. Exactly, exactly. Okay, no game this week for BYU football, so Kalani was asked if his young players will get – will get extra attention heading into the game against Utah Tech? Yeah, the focus will be a lot on them. And, and now we're in the moment where um, the, the the players that are being redshirted could play. And so trying to get them caught up in, in everything, have a role. Who are the young guy or young guys or redshirt guys that you want to see get some playing time against Utah Tech? Honestly, I, I know there's a lot of guys to choose from, but I, I mentioned this guy's name a minute ago. I, I want to see more of Hinkley Rapati. I want to see what he can do. Um, I, I would like to see him. Now, I don't know if the same situation is going to present itself where he's going to need to to carry the ball as much as he did. Uh, I don't, you know, but I I would actually really like to see more of him. I mean, the guys. I think it's his calves that have their own Twitter handle, right? <laughs> Hinkley Rapati's calves. I calves believe. Is a, calves is a favorite thing when it comes to <laughs> extra Twitter so, handles. Ender. Yeah. Out there. So I, I, Hinkley's one of those guys. He really impressed me at Boise State. No, he did. Uh I would say, actually, I agree with you. I, he was one. I thought Mason Fakahua. I thought it'd be fun to see a little bit more of him. I know he's been injured. Uh, I'd like to see Jacob Conover in case Kate Finnegan. I think that, and I think if if it, if the game goes as it should, we should see them. The other guy on offense, I want to see Chase Roberts get a little bit more love. I mean, he had such a good game against Baylor, and it, it, we just haven't seen that game from him. And again, he's a freshman. Yeah. We should see a lot more of him. And so I guess he's the other guy. And then on defense, I, I guess I'm kind of hoping for a like a Maury Bamba, Ammon Hanneman, Jacob Conover. Maybe they can come up with an interception, mix in a few more offensive linemen. Uh, let's get a couple of basketball questions here and here. Uh, Mark Pope said it will depend who the guy is 
uh, on this team. We need everybody on this team that on any given night, it's going to be somebody that's going to step up, somebody that's going to sit down, and it's going to be different guys every night, and that's a good lesson for us to learn right away. So this is the grand experiment this year, and it's going to be we're going to be all over the place, but it's going to be super fun. So by the end of the season, who do you think the leader on the court is going to be? You know, in the past few seasons, it's been Alex Barcelo. You could even say TJ Hawes. You could say Jake Toulson for a season. It was Spencer Johnson in Game One, but I'm not sure who it's going to be on this team as it as it goes forward. What do you think? Oh, well, I think immediately you look at the seniors, and BYU basketball only has two seniors. You have Gideon George and Rudy Williams. Um, I, I think Rudy Williams could certainly be one of those guys. Uh, I will tell you, I was extremely impressed with what I've seen from the freshman Dallin Hall, um, and and he actually got the the point guard minutes at the end of the game in that uh, season opening win over Idaho State. Um, I think Foose is a guy that's going to be a leader on the floor. Um, you know, he's always going to be a, a guy that's double double material every night. So those are a couple of the guys that I, I think uh, I think would would certainly stand out in terms of at the end of the year the guys we say like, okay that's that's sort of the guy. I, I found it interesting. Coach Pub after the first game said this is a grand experiment, <laughs> <laughs> which I found very interesting. I think he knows it's going to be tough this season. Sounds like he's setting up expectations for for fans the rest of the season. Is that how you read that too? Yeah, in fact, um, so so the exhibition game um, before the season opener, I I was actually um, I got to call that game because Greg was with women's soccer in San Diego, so I got to call the game against Ottawa of Arizona, and so I was doing my pregame interview with Coach Pope, and I I asked him, I said, okay, so are are we are we looking for full dress rehearsal tonight? So the team, the, you know, the guys that we've seen or that we will see in your starting lineup tonight, are those going to be your starters? Are we going to see rotations tonight that we'll see in the regular season? Is it full dress rehearsal or is there going to still be some experimentation? He's like, we're going to be experimenting all season long. We're going to be trying to figure out because it's, yes, it's about this season, but it's also about laying down the groundwork for what the program is going to be over the next one, two, three, five years down the road in the Big 12. So that, I think, answers the question that he's going to see what works. And what's working right now, maybe it's not working in 10 games. And I think he's okay sort of going with that mentality and like, okay, if this isn't working, let's try this. Let's see how this works. We can experiment, and I you know, I think that's a good way to find out exactly what you've got. And I'm kind of looking forward to see how this season plays out. I, 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 I'm just... I guess for me, if I'm a BYU basketball fan, if I can take a step back, I'm looking at the season, I'm like, you know, it's okay. I, I just want to see how things turn out, and I just want to, if I take wins and losses out of it, and I know wins and losses mean everything because that's why you play the game. I totally get that. But I Thanks, think if Herm. I can, Yeah, thank you. Uh, if, you take, if you take a step back and you just look and see how things just turn out, I think it'll be a really interesting season. Yeah, you're going to see some losses this season. I, you, you know that. This, this is not a team that you're thinking, yeah, they're going to the Final Four. This is a team that you look at and you say, let's just see how this all turns yes. out. Yes, well, very much so. And you mentioned that you're going to have some losses. BYU's schedule, especially the non-conference schedule, that doesn't even take into account facing Gonzaga twice and St. Mary's twice. But you've got a strength of schedule that, regardless of outcome, BYU is going to get a boost towards the end of the year for just having these certain teams on their schedule, whether they win them or not. Then if you have an opportunity to be in these games, maybe pull a couple of them out, that's just gravy for you know the committee at the end of the year. 
Jason Shepard, thanks for joining us on uh, Behind the Mic. Always, uh, always a pleasure talking with you, Cleon. Make sure you download Behind the Mic on the BYU Radio app or from your favorite podcast provider. Behind the Mic is a production of BYU Radio.